Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Michigan Hidden History. I'm your host, Theron. This week, we are going to talk about how the city of Troy came to be. Before we start, I want to say if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review because that's the way that I can grow my podcast. So just to clarify, I'm talking about Troy, Michigan. And it started all back in 1787 with the the Northwest Ordinance. And this ordinance is the one that created Michigan and the Great Lakes region. But because of that, they are allowed to create counties and cities and townships and whatever that is. But it was in 1827, a decade before Michigan became a state, the the Territorial Council who oversaw passing laws and making um, the territory what it was, in 1827, they took land from Bloomfield Township and set it aside to make a new township called Troy. The first people to come to Troy was in 1819 from the unoriginal state of New York. The people of Troy elected Stephen V.R. Trowbridge, Trowbridge and, and Riley Crooks as supervisor and clerk, respectively. The reason people moved to Michigan from New York was that most of the land in New York was bought up and it was cheaper in Michigan because in 1920, the U.S. Congress passed a bill that allowed that allowed white males to buy 80 acres of farmland for $100 or $1.25 per acre, which is $2,221 and $27.77 per acre, respectively. This was back when the U.S. Congress could actually pass bills that made an impact to society. If you went to school in Michigan, I know you'll learn this in third grade, but when the Erie Canal was opened in 1825, it increased the number of boring New Yorkers who came here. One of the one of those people came from Austin, Oswego County, New York, and was Niles was Johnson Niles. He was the pioneer of Troy. Niles, even though he was not the first resident, was the first one to plot to plot out his property. So, plotting out is to show where everything is, and 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 where you want everything to be. So, since he's the first one to do that with his property. And he bought 160 acres of land in 1821, and he called the area he platted Hastings. But when he found out that there's another place in Michigan called Hastings, he changed the name to Troy to Troy to Troy Corners. Niles' property was between Square Lake, which is 19 Mile Road, and Long Lake, which is 18 Mile Road, between Crooks and Livernois. Right now. The, there's a plaza called Troy Corners, and that was part of his land. In 1825, Ira Smith came from Middle, Middlebury, New York. He built a small commercial center, 
that was between Livernois and John R. on Maple, which is 15 mile, and Big Beaver, which is 16 mile, and built a small commercial center there. Big Beaver, the road got its name from a beaver dam, which was located a half mile north of Troy. And and in this location, Ira operated a tavern from 1825 to 1883. And from 1855 to 1885, this commercial center grew, grew but it didn't get as big as Troy, as Troy Corners did. There was a problem with Troy Corners. It lacked any river, any rivers to power anything that was going on in the area. It had one river, but it was a branch of the Rouge River and it was very slow moving. So the river was too slow, so it couldn't power any of the mills that were operating there at the time. Despite these problems for Troy Corners, the settlers of the area made it into a prosperous agricultural community. And by 1873, Troy Township was ranked first, second, and third in Michigan Townships in production of potatoes, hay, wool, cheese, apples, cherries, wheat, and other grains. Like in Sterling Heights and Utica, the, for- the farmers in Troy shipped and sold their harvests in the city of Detroit. Troy, Co- Troy Corners had a general store, a blacksmith shop, post office, two hotels, three churches, and tons of few small shops. Niles continued to improve the commercial area of Troy Co- Corners by 1836. It had six mercantile businesses, three physicians, a lawyer, a cooperage, two blacksmiths, a shoemaker, churches, and schools. The region's success was erased by by the financial panic of 1837. This panic lasted until the mid-1840s, and this panic was caused because of the wildcat banks that we of because of the collapse of the wildcat banks that we learned in the previous episode about Singapore. Uh, So by 1877, the population of Troy Corners declined from several hundred to 60 people because people were moving out to Rochester and Royal Oak where where the rivers were moving faster and better so their mills could operate better. The population by 1910 was 465,766 people, and of that, 5,741 of the people were African American. In 1890, the interurban trolleys came to Troy Township, but because of mismanagement, they went into bankruptcy before World War I. And after World War I, the big three pushed out the trolleys. The last trolley to go through Troy was in, it was in 1931. During World War I, the population of Detroit and the metro area grew because of the use of the automobiles to, to make uh, war machines and 
and war equipment for the military. And by 1920, there were almost a million people living in Troy and another few hundred thousand people living in the surrounding metro area. The Great Depression slowed the growth of the suburbs in Detroit, as it did everywhere else. The next growth would be during World War II, when the U.S. government would again contract out their use of um, military equipment to the big three, such as making tanks and airplanes, and also during the Korean War. For the first half of the 20th century, Troy remained a farming community. Three more cities came out of Troy Township. The first one was in 1927, and it was Royal Oak. The second one was Birmingham in 1933, and the last one was Clawson in 1940. The whole time, Troy Township provided, provided the minimal public safety for its residents, and in 1954, it only had a volunteer fire department and a four-man police department with one police car. The township officials blocked the annexation of 109 acres of land by Clawson because the township officials wanted to preserve the, the tax base. It took four years for the land to, for the land to transfer hands and the only reason that Troy Township did it was after Clawson threatened to annex more land and they filed a lot of petitions. So the next like few minutes is going to be a story about some shady corporate company doing some shady business. I had to read this over about like four or five times to get this myself, but I will do my best explaining what happened. So in 1955, a company named Vickers, who, who, who was a manufacturing company, said they were building a $2 million office and engineering center in Troy Township. It would, it would bring in about $12,000 in tax revenue but instead of using Troy's um, Troy Township's um, very little um, public safety and police department, uh, Vickers, the company, entered into a secret agreement with Royal Oak to get to use the city of Detroit's water, sewers, and the Royal Oak Police and Fire Protection for the plant. Since, I said before, Troy didn't have any public safety. The Vickers company probably probably knew about this, but Troy has an, ordin- has an ordinance that prohibited any outside water system to be sold in Troy because it would be in direct competition with the Troy Water Department. So, to make sure I'm getting this right, I'm going to having a direct quote from my source, and it says, When petitions were circulated to annex the parcel to Royal Oak, Troy citizens and local officials took action. 
Troy citizens and officials of both political parties met on a Thursday evening in March 1955 and agreed to move forward with the idea of making it a city. The big problem was the density of the population. The township was sparsely settled in some areas, which made it impossible to meet the average 500 people per square mile required under the City Home Rule Act in Michigan. It was it was decided to omit some of the less populated areas within the interior board boundaries of Troy. These areas would re- remain in township and to be annexed later by the city. A map was prepared by an engineer and an attorney prepared the petition. A group of about 60 citizens met on Friday evening, made their plans to circulate the petition on Saturday, at the same time asking and pledging to keep the plan secret until the petitions were to be filed on the next Monday morning. The petitions were guarded over over the weekend and early Monday morning, March 7th, 1955, two groups left Troy at 6 a.m. to be certain to be the first ones in line at the county's clerk's office in Pontiac. The precaution was taken in the events Royal Oak might learn of the incorporation movement, which is becoming a city, and be the first at this at the clerk's office to file their petitions for annexation. Such a move would have given their petitions priority for consideration in an election by the county board of supervisors. So they did all this and after this Royal Oak found out and they were pissed. So they didn't do anything, but after all this chaos of keeping secrets and all that stuff, Troy held an election to create a charter commission to create a city. Vickers, the company, finally filed an injunction saying that Troy could not become a city because it did not meet the person per square mile rule. The judge decided that it was too late to stop the vote. The final tally of the vote was 2,111 yeses and 254 noes. So they created a nine-man council to, to create a to create a charter for for the city. After after the nine-man council was created, Troy and Vickers came into agreement. So this is what happened. After all that secretness, Troy 
would buy the water from the Southeastern Oakland Water Authority and then resell it to Vickers, which at that time, according to Vickers' attorney, was cheaper than what Royal Oak water would have costed. Which is some big pahooey, if you think about it, but I'm going to leave it at that and let you guys form your own opinions. After this water fight, the Charter Commission came up with the Charter and proposed it to the residents of Troy. And the residents put their suggestions in, like they wanted a manager-council type of government, and they wanted to elect their council and mayor. The commission then revised the Charter and sent it to the governor, G. Menon Williams, who is the longest-serving governor in Michigan history. The governor approved it, and in turn, the commission scheduled an, a vote. Their charter passed by 86 votes. Troy, Michigan became a city on December 16, 1955. The same problem came up when Rochester split from Avon Township and that, and that there were islands of township areas located within city limits. So to help out, we have Birmingham that took, took two parcels of land. And then we have Troy that took a large parcel of land in the northeast part of the township. And then the city took the fourth and fourth parcel, which included the White Chapel Cemetery, and Royal Oak took the last one. Hope you enjoyed this episode. You can listen to this wherever you find podcasts. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at, at mi hidden history. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple. And this week's quote is, It's okay to have flaws. That, that That's what makes you human. And have a nice week.